Welcome to the 214th episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I'm your host, Randy Winograd. In this edition of the podcast, our topics are a brief overview of Patrick's weekend predictions and our weekly look back at Major League Baseball. So let's jump right in with a look back at Patrick's weekend predictions, which are posted every Thursday on our website, 4thand24.com. We will start and end at Major League Baseball since that's the only thing Patrick predicted. And he went one and three in those weekend series predictions making him 1-3 combined, which brings his overall all-time record to 753-500, which is a 60.1% winning percentage. Patrick, your thoughts on your weekend predictions? Well, this is always a hard week to predict because it's right after the All-Star break. You never know if a team's winning streak is going to carry over and get momentum through the All-Star break or if the momentum is going to break up their streak and as a result... Um, you know, it's going to change the results there or, or in the opposite way where a team is struggling into the all-star break, if they're going to able, going to be able to just turn it around immediately, or if they're actually just going to keep struggling as a result. Um, the first series I picked, the one that I got correct was the Phillies. They took three of four from the Padres. I assumed that all the series this weekend were three games, but unfortunately MLB randomly decided to put a scheduled doubleheader in the Padres Phillies series. Don't really know why. Um, but Apparently that was set out from the beginning of the season. Did not quite catch that, but it ended up working out. There was a possibility there wasn't going to be a winner, but I figured I'll just leave it anyway, and if someone wins, so be it. If someone doesn't, then I'll just scrape it from the record and not have it be there. Um, but the Phillies, after losing the first game on Friday, 8-3, to won 6-4, and 9-4 to on the Saturday doubleheader, and then won 7-6 to in 12 innings on Sunday to get the series victory over the Padres. Uh, the Orioles... Swept the Marlins over the weekend. That one was that was the one where uh, momentum got in the way there. The Marlins were playing pretty well heading into the break. Had won four of se- five of seven heading into the break, but then the Orioles were on a winning streak as well, uh, and they ended up coming out and continuing that streak. They've now won eight games in a row uh, after their series sweep over the weekend over the Marlins. All the games were close though. The Orioles won. 5-2 to two on Friday, but it was a closer game throughout. It took a uh, two-run eighth inning to really distance things for the Orioles. It was 3-2 to two heading into that bottom of the eighth before Adam Frazier hit a two-run home run to uh, change that game's final score. On Saturday, the Orioles won 6-5 to five after a two-run seventh inning. Uh, so the Marlins had a 4 to nothing lead in that game, but they weren't able to hold that lead to take the victory. And then on Sunday... The Orioles scored three runs in the first inning um, and then scored two in the fourth, but that was enough for them as the Marlins only scored all of their runs in the ninth inning, and Luis Arias hit a line-out to end the game uh, with runners on base, ending that series with a few hitless games, 0-5 for overall on Sunday. Uh, but there were still runners on base, only down one, only just down 5-4 to four in the top of the ninth when Arias lined out. There was still... Uh, a runner on second, but unfortunately, that was it. Series was already over anyway, so it didn't really matter. Um, and then, the other series I predicted, the Blue Jays and the Brewers both swept their opponents. The Brewers swept the Reds, and the Blue Jays swept the Diamondbacks. Uh, the Diamondbacks coming out of the All-Star break, very, very cold. Something I didn't expect. They also had, in what in what I would consider, in my opinion, I would say favorable pitching matchups. I didn't think that there was anything on paper that was necessarily bad for them. Tommy Henry had, Tommy Henry has good numbers overall in the season, at least decent numbers. And Yusei Kikuchi has pretty much same kind of ballpark of numbers. Obviously, a big experience difference there, but still, 
Not something that you would necessarily favor one team over the other for uh, any particular reason. But then, in the other matchup, there was Zach Gallen against Jose Barrios, so I thought the Diamondbacks would be able to take that one home. But they were, they were sorry, against Chris Bassett, but they actually weren't able to take that game home. They lost 5-2 to two in that game, and overall it was the run support that was the issue for the Diamondbacks this weekend. The Blue Jays got seven runs in both of the first two games, and then five runs in the final, or sorry, seven runs in, in the first game and the final game of the series, and five runs on the Saturday game uh, to sweep the Diamondbacks. As the Diamondbacks only got two runs in both Friday and Saturday's game, and then five runs on Sunday, but it wasn't enough, as also three of those runs came in the ninth inning after the Blue Jays had already uh, led 7-2. to two. Although the Blue Jays were only up 3-2 to two for most of the game, they actually made it 7-2 off of a bases-clearing double by Danny Jansen in the bottom of the eighth, and then a single that scored Jansen uh, in the bottom of the eighth as well to make it 7-2. And then the Diamondbacks also had a bases-clearing double to uh, get it to 7-5, but still not enough to win that game. And once again, wouldn't have mattered because this series is already over. Then you have the Reds, who really, really have struggled against the Brewers. This is the second week in a row that I picked them to beat the Brewers in a series, and they have only taken one out of those six games. Uh, a big swing in the division as well. Very rare that you see two teams in a divisional race with each other uh, play six games in a row against each other. And not only just that, but one comes in down a few games and ends up two games ahead. But that is what happened with Milwaukee. Heading into this stretch, they were 47-41. and 41 while the Reds were 49-39, and 39, and now all of a sudden the Reds are 50-44, and 44, and Milwaukee is 52-42, and 42, and they now have a two-game lead over the Reds after sweeping them this weekend. This one really a story of pitchers' duels and really good pitchers' performances by the Brewers. I would say that if you had told me going into the weekend the Brewers were scoring 1-3-4 and four in the three games on the road against Cincinnati, I would have said... That's great. I got my prediction right. There is no way that the Brewers win those games. But they shut out the Reds twice, actually, for three games in a row, if you go all the way back to last Sunday before the All-Star break, and then also limited the Reds to three runs on Sunday. So really, really staggering offensive performances by the Reds in terms of just very, very shocking that they couldn't get any runs on the board. Um, but we'll see what happens in the future with them. For now, it will be the Brewers who took that series in a sweep and another series loss for me. All right, well, Patrick's predictions for next weekend will be posted, as always, on our website on Thursday. That's at 4thand24.com. Let's now turn our attention to Major League Baseball action, abbreviated Major League Baseball action, given that last week was largely taken up by the All-Star break slash festivities. Um, but we will start, as always, in the American League East. The Tampa Bay Rays are starting to lose their grip on this division a little bit. The Orioles are just one game back of Tampa Bay. After winning eight games in a row, they're 8-2 and two in their last 10 overall. Uh, but the Rays, as I said, 60-36 and 36 on the year, still a very good record. Uh, but, of course, not the, no, not, not the number one overall record anymore in MLB. That belongs to the Braves. That has for a little bit now. Uh, but they are 3-7 and seven in their last 10, the Rays are, while the Orioles 8 in a row and 8-2 and two in their last 10 overall. Just one game back of the Tampa Bay Rays, definitely catching up at a rapid pace. I don't know what the remaining schedules look like for those two, um, but the Orioles, I do know, are playing another division-leading team this week, being the Dodgers. Um, I don't know who they play after that, though. But then you also have the Blue Jays, who have won four in a row. They are 8-2 and two in their last 10, and the Red Sox are 8-2 and two in their last 10, with the best record in July as well. So a lot of hot teams in this division gaining ground on the Rays at the same time. Uh, but the Blue Jays, 53-41, and 41, 
on the season. Having a decent year, they're pretty much even on at home and on the road. A, a pretty good run differential overall, plus 44. Uh, and in the wild card, they are just behind the Orioles. They are in the second wild card position, one game ahead of Houston for the final wild card. Um, and that, or excuse me, one game above Houston for the third wild card spot, and three games above Boston to take up a spot in the wild card. And speaking of Boston, as I said, three back of the Blue Jays, two back of Houston for the final wild card spot. But they are now out of last place in the AL East, thanks to their hot start to July at eight and two. It is the Yankees who are indeed in last place. In the East, obviously, it's just off of head-to-head record currently with the Red Sox because they have the series advantage on the course of the year. Uh, that is Boston, of course, I'm talking about. Uh, but the Yankees having a really rough patch here. Obviously, no Aaron Judge still. They are 4-6 and six in their last 10. Just dropped a series to the Rockies after dropping a series to the Cubs before the All-Star break. Um, and before that, yeah, they split a series with the Orioles, which was... A pretty necessary result to get when you consider what was to happen right after that. Um, but also, you look at that 4-6 and six in their last 10 and you realize that it's actually 2-6 and six in their last 8 because they only took, they lost the final two of the, of the series against the Orioles and then also uh, got two of three taken from them by both the Cubs and the Rockies. The Rockies at Coors, the Cubs at Yankee Stadium. But just overall, not a good week and a half, two weeks for the Yankees. Um, other than, well, they didn't really have anything going on at the All-Star break either. Not many festivities, not many players taking place in the game, other than Garrett Cole obviously getting the start for the American League. But other than that, they really didn't have anything going on. Definitely not good things uh, this week. So very, very unfortunate for the Yankees. Definitely trending in the wrong direction as we head into the second half of the season and really get to the playoff chase. Yeah, uh, also unfortunate for the Yankees and the Red Sox that they are not in our next division, the NL Central, where they'd be comfortably in first place by a couple games. Yep, the Twins are only two games above 500, whereas both the Red Sox and the Yankees are six games above 500. Cleveland is six and a half games out of the wild card race behind Boston, the Yankees, the Mariners, and the Angels, and yet they're only two and a half out of their divisional lead uh, because of just how bad everybody in this division has been. Uh, coming out of the All-Star break, the Guardians were leading this division, but they just got swept by the Rangers, and they also dropped the last series, the last game excuse me, of their final series of the first half against the Royals, um, and that kind of has swung everything because they have now lost four in a row, and they're four and six in their last ten, while the Twins have won three in a row, and they are six and four in their last ten uh, this weekend, those three games coming in a sweep over the A's, so, you know, not the best of competition after they had gotten swept by the Orioles to end the break. So it is possible that, you know, the Guardians playing the best team in the AL in the AL West, excuse me, one of the better teams in the AL overall, the third best by record. And, yeah, the Twins playing the worst team in all of the majors does definitely skew that a little bit. Um, but we'll see what happens when the A's eventually play uh, the Guardians, because I assume that still hasn't happened yet. It, may, it might have, actually, so who knows. But um, th- that matchup either has happened or will happen eventually. I see the Twins are still on the A schedule later in the year as well. Um, but, look, the Guardians, they, they have some room to make up games. They, they did it easily at the, at the end of the first half and were able to take the divisional lead. So I wouldn't be surprised if they were able to retake it again at some point later in the season. But for now... It's the Twins who are in first at 48 and 46. And then moving to the rest of the division, 
you have three teams who, if they had anything to sell, would be sellers of the trade deadline. One of these teams does, but the other one's not so much. Uh, the Tigers, they are 41-51, and 51, six games back in the division. They're 5-5 five and five in their last 10, but easily the worst third-place team uh, in all of MLB. And then you have the Chicago White Sox, who obviously, that's the team I'm talking about in terms of having many, many tradable pieces uh, that they can give up to other teams that would be very highly desirable pieces when you talk about potentially Dylan Cease, Luis Robert, uh, even Eloy Jimenez would be a pretty desirable piece for another team. You have maybe even Andrew Benintendi. I don't know if anybody would want that contract. Uh, Lucas Giolito is also on that list. There is a long, long list of players on the White Sox. Joe Kelly and Kendall Graveman and Liam Hendricks, too. A lot of players that are potentially untradeable candidates, and then a lot of players that, you know, maybe if the White Sox get the right price, they might actually decide to move on um, from those players because of just how poorly the season has gone overall that they don't really have enough leverage to kind of stay in it, and there's no reason for them to stay in it. And if those deals are expiring, there's really no point for them to do that. It wouldn't be smart from a front office perspective to keep those players uh, that are made for winning teams when they are clearly not winning. Um, and then finally in this division, you have the Royals, who I believe actually took a series from the Rays this weekend. Um, or excuse me, no, they did not. The Rays did take that series, but barely took that series, and the Royals put up eight runs on them on uh, Sunday, but still 2-8 and eight in their last 10. Uh, still, the Rays haven't been playing good baseball, so that's why I'd assume that the Royals might have taken that series. But 2-8 and eight in their last 10 for the Royals, uh, trending down towards the Oakland part of the standings where it's really just them uh, and the A's who have been all the way down there as the two obvious worst teams in the league all year long. All right, well, let's move to the A's division, the American League West. Talked a little bit about the Rangers already in the scope of the Guardians, but they swept their weekend series, so a very good result for them. They had kind of had the bottom fell out of them during the All-Star break, right before the All-Star break. They weren't kind of putting together as many wins as they were really early on in the season, but all of a sudden they take that series uh, over the Guardians. They sweep that series, and they're now 5-5 five and five in their last 10, which is a lot more respectable off of a riding the wave of a three-game winning streak. They still do have the best run differential in all the majors, so that bodes well for them over the course of the season. Um, but they are now three games out of Houston. I believe it was two games before Houston looked like they were making a rapid chase to catch up to them, but they take two of three from the from the Angels over the weekend. Three close games, uh, three back-and-forth games. On Saturday, they lost 13-12 to in 10 innings. Uh, on Friday, they had a comeback to win 7-5. to and then on Sunday, they had to come back again. They put up four runs in the ninth. Uh, they were being shut, or sorry, they had one run in the first inning. But since then, they had been shut out, and the Angels had taken a 7-3 to lead. Uh, or, excuse me, the Angels had taken a 3-1 to lead into the seventh inning and then scored four runs in the bottom of the seventh to make it a 7-3 to lead uh, heading into the eighth. But the Astros got two in the eighth and then three more in the ninth to make, or excuse me, four more in the ninth, uh, to make it a nine to seven game, and a Shohei Otani home run in the bottom of the ninth would not be enough to bring the Angels back. They lost that game nine eight and lost the series overall, and you know, put more uh, Otani trade rumors out there than there ever were before. But that puts the Astros uh, still three games back of the Rangers, but definitely starting to gain more ground than they were earlier in the season. Six and four in their last ten. Then you have the Seattle Mariners, who are forty six and forty six. 
They are now sitting in third place. They did lose the weekend series to the Tigers, which is very surprising, um, but still pretty easy for them to be able to bounce back. I do expect them to be able to uh, at least contend for that playoff spot, though the AL is tough, so they might not make it. They're going to have to get over teams like the Yankees, like Boston, um, and like Houston even, and I don't think they're capable of that, uh, to be quite honest. But I still think they can put themselves in the race, and if one of those teams falters, they could be there to scoop up the final spot. Then you have the Angels, who, as I said, lost the weekend series to the Astros. They are now 2-8 and eight in their last 10. Barely a positive run differential, but 46-48 and 48 on the year is not too good. They are 9 back of the Rangers, and in the wild card, it is a little bit better. It's not like the Central, where you do better in the uh, divisional standings than the wild card, but they are still behind Seattle, New York, and Boston, and then obviously the three teams, Baltimore, Toronto, and Houston, who were actually in the wild card picture. They are six games back of the final wild card spot as we head into this little final chase of the season, and obviously you have the A's still in last at 25-70, and 70, the worst overall record in the league, currently on a seven-game winning streak, or losing streak, um, and 30 games back of the Texas Rangers. Yeah, the Angels looked uh, like they might be positioning themselves well before the All-Star break. Then they ran into a buzzsaw in a couple uh, in a couple series, including with the Dodgers, and now they're kind of back to where they were before, probably out of the race. Interesting to see, like we said a couple weeks ago, what's going to happen with some of their talent at the trade deadline. All right, let's move over to the National League, starting, as always, in the East. That is where you will find the best team in baseball. It is the Atlanta Braves. They are 61-31. and 31. Best overall record, 6-4 and four in their last 10. This division, one of the better divisions overall, uh, not having the greatest week, but then you have the Marlins, who are 53-42. and 42. Obviously, you can't really say enough about the Braves, but we've kind of encompassed it recently a lot, so I'll move on quickly from them. You have the Marlins, who are at 53-42. and 42. Uh, All of a sudden, this wildcard race is getting really, 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 really tight in the National League. There are four teams all within a game and a half of each other, basically. You have the Phillies at 51-42, and 42, and then you have the Marlins at 53-42, and 42, who are at kind of the top of that race. The Phillies only one game back of the Marlins, despite the fact that the Marlins are the second wildcard team. Uh, you have Arizona sandwiched a half game between in that half game of space between Philly and Miami, and then you have the San Francisco Giants at 52-41, and 41, a half game above Miami. So very, very interesting there how tight that race is getting. Um, but just goes to show you how tough it's going to be in the NL and also for some other teams that we'll talk about later to actually break through that mold and get into the playoffs. But for now, we're talking about the East. Uh, those three are obviously the three to focus on. The Phillies with the best run differential outside of the Braves in this division, the only positive run differential in that division. I uh, had that rallying comeback in the first game of the doubleheader on Saturday to get the win over the Padres. So that was a very good result for them. And then they won the final two games of the series as well, which means that they've now won three in a row. They are 7-3 and three in their last 10. Then you have the Marlins, as I said, 5-5 five and five in their last 10, got swept by the Orioles, talked about that earlier, um, maybe trending down as the season goes on, we'll see what happens with them. You have the Mets, who were able to salvage the last game of the series against the Dodgers, but had already lost the series before uh, that Sunday game had started. They are 6-4 and four in their last 10, and then finally, you have the Nationals, who are 24 and a half games back at 37-56, and 56. they are just 3-7 and seven in their last 10. All right, let's switch over to the NL Central. The Brewers, as I said, have taken a two-game lead over the Reds after their two series victories in a row uh, over Cincinnati. There are no teams with a positive run differential in this division outside of the Cubs, 
who are currently six games under 500 in third place in the division. But the Brewers have won four in a row, seven and three in their last 10, which means that the Reds have lost four in a row, although they are five and five in their last 10. Uh, but two games back for the Reds in the both the wild card chase and the actual division standings, which is an interesting thing for them. We'll see. Obviously, how that turns out. Obviously, that has something to do with how the Brewers play down the stretch and also how everybody in the wildcard chase plays as well. But I think the Reds might have an easier road to get in through the division, to be honest. Um, but that remains to be seen. But then you have the Cubs. They are 43 and 49, as I said, six games under 500. They are 5 and 5 in their last 10, uh, but eight games back in the division still, despite having the only positive run differential, more runs scored than the Brewers. Just a little bit under in terms of runs allowed. But it really shouldn't make that much of a difference. It's just the fact that the Cubs have gotten a little bit unlucky this season and have definitely uh, had some had a few games where they've just blown out the other teams as opposed to uh, them not really getting blown out themselves. So that's a good thing and a bad thing kind of all at once. And then you have the Pirates. Uh, it looks like the Cardinals might finally get out of the basement of this division it's very, very close. They're just one game back of the Pirates now uh, with a better run differential. Pirates at 41-52, and 52, not really having a good season at all after their very, very hot start. They were the best team in the National League for a little bit, uh, 30 or so games into the season. Uh, and as everybody thought that 30 games might be enough of a sample size to tell if somebody's a fluke or not, apparently we were all wrong because the Pirates just haven't been good since then at all. 2-8 and eight in their last 10. They have lost three games in a row. And finally, at the very bottom of the division, you have the St. Louis Cardinals, who are 40-53. and 53. Like I said, just one game back of Pittsburgh, 11-and-a-half back of the Brewers in first place, 5-and-5 five five in their last 10, having won their last two in a row. All right, let's wrap up our look at MLB and move over to the National League West. This one, definitely the most interesting divisional race to watch, maybe outside of the AL West or the AL East, uh, but the Dodgers are now in first place. Sole position in first place, I think it was the first time since May 30th, sometime in May for sure. Uh, but it's not even the Diamondbacks who were in second place after they were in first heading into the All-Star break, tied with the Dodgers. It is the Giants who in one series uh, with their series sweep over the Pirates. They have won five games in a row now, six and four in their last ten, to get to one and a half back of the Dodgers, who had won four in a row heading into Sunday night uh, with the Mets. So still seven and three in their last ten. For the Dodgers, able to seize that division lead. They do have the best run differential in the division as well. Um, and then you have Arizona, who has lost four in a row. Two and eight in their last ten, as I said, got swept by the Blue Jays over the weekend. They are now a half a game back of San Francisco and two games back of the Dodgers. And obviously in the wild card, that has important implications like I talked about. They are the final wild card as it stands, but the Phillies are only a half game back and the Reds are just two back. And then... After that, you have the Padres, who are, yes, technically still in the race in this division. Not very close to it, though. Six games under 500 for them, eight games back overall after 94 games of the season. So less than 70 remaining, and the Padres have to make up eight games in that amount of time. Going to be a very hard task to do, uh, and also they have to hope that other teams don't make up more games at the same time, and Cincinnati has a higher starting point and maybe even more energy, more of a burst in them. Same thing as a lot of other teams, including the Phillies. We'll just have to see what happens there. Uh, but for now, San Diego, six games back, 10, sorry, six games under 500, 10 games back in the division and eight in the wild card. They are six and four in their last 10, so that's a good sign. But unfortunately, that is still counting a three game, sw or the, the last three games of the series being lost 
to the Phillies. So not trending in the right direction after the All-Star break, after having a pretty good end to the first half. And then finally at the bottom of the division, it's been this way all year, you have the Colorado Rockies. They are 18 games back, 3-7 and seven in their last 10, making up the basement of the NL West. And uh, yeah, the Dodgers doing a great job coming out of the break uh, with the best run differential in this division and the second best run differential in the National League. They were uh, closing the gap on the Diamondbacks for a while, and they finally fully closed it as the Diamondbacks had a little bit of a slump, and they've been able to take advantage of that slump continuing through the start of the second half to seize a a one-and-a-half game lead in the division. Okay, well, that wraps up our look at Major League Baseball. It also wraps this edition of the 4th and 24 podcast. Please be sure to check out our next podcast, which will be on Monday, July 24th, where we will once again recap Patrick's weekend predictions and have our weekly look at Major League Baseball. In the meantime, please be sure to check out Patrick's additional content, including his MLB Power Rankings that are updated every Wednesday, his picks for next weekend's games, next weekend series actually, that will be posted as always on Thursday, and a new feature coming up as football season is right around the corner. Patrick will have his prediction for the entire college football season, every single college football game to be played this year. That will be posted next Tuesday. All of that content on our website, 4thand24.com. That's the number four, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. Thank you for listening.